Section 32 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 32. Cyclops and Galatia. You see here, my son, the rocky shores of a steep and mountainous but fortunate isle, and in its vales and on its shelving sides you see the vintage and the wheat harvest going on. But the inhabitants have neither planted nor sowed, for through the bounty of the gods and the favour of the poets, everything springs up of its own accord. You mark, moreover, the sheep and goats comfortably feeding on the high and rough places, for they who dwell here love milk, both fresh and curdled, for food and drink. Do you ask what people these are? They are the rude cyclopes, who build no houses, but dwell single and solitary in the caverns of the mountains. For this reason they carry on no common occupation, nor even assemble in council. But enough of this. Let us turn our eyes upon the wildest among them, whom we see sitting here, it is Polyphemus, the son of Neptune. Over his single eye, one brow extends from ear to ear. A broad nose stands above the gaping mouth. The eye-teeth jut beyond the corners of the lips. His thick hair stands out about like the leaves of the pine-tree. Breast, belly, and legs are all covered with hair. He hungers inwardly like the lion for human flesh. But now he abstains from it. He is in love. He would be too happy to appear civilized and takes pains to seem friendly at least. But his look is always frightful. Its menacing air will not be softened. As savage beasts may be made obedient, yet still look fiercely round. His present demeanor gives the plainest proof how strong his wish is to make himself acceptable. Beneath the shade of an evergreen oak, he lets the flute rest under his arm, but sings of Galatia, the beauty of the sea, who is sporting below upon the waves. Thither he looks with longing, and celebrates her fair skin, her gay and graceful carriage. Sweeter is she to him than sweetest clusters of grapes. He seeks to win her regard by presence, too. He brings two does and two of the loveliest bears for her. A passion, a longing like this, swallows up all his usual cares. These scattered sheep are his. He heeds them not, counts them not, looks no longer inland. His eye is fastened on the sea. Gently heaves the broad surface of the sea beneath the chariot of the beauteous Galatia. Four dolphins, yoked together, seem to be dashing forward under one impulse. Maiden tritons ply bit and rein to moderate their too vivacious leaps. She stands upon her chariot of shell. Her purple garment, played with by the wind, swells like a sail above her head and casts its shadow on her. It casts a red reflection on her brow, but cannot match the color of her cheek. The zephyr does not try to sport with her wet hair. The delicate fingers, lightly resting upon the rounded hip, support the right arm. The elbow dazzles us by its rose-tinted whiteness. 
the muscles of the arm rise like little waves the breast projects who can deny the perfection of the limbs the leg and foot turned a little are suspended over the sea which the soul just touches suggesting the action of steering but still the eyes attract our gaze upwards again and again they are indeed wonderful they indicate the sharpest most unlimited sight that reaches beyond the ends of the ocean it has been a part of our object to unite in this place what has been made of this same subject by raphael the Karachi, and others a comparison of this sort will develop both the ancient and modern idea each in its whole value Milis and Crithes. Crithes, a fountain nymph, loves the river god Milis. Both are of Ionian birth, and Homer was the fruit of their union. Milis is represented as in early youth. The nymph drinks, though she be not thirsty, from his springs, whose path we trace down to the sea. She takes up the water and seems to converse with the purling waves while tears of love drop into them but the river loves her again and delights in this tender offering the greatest charm of the picture is in the figure of milis flower loving as becomes his youth he reposes on crocuses lotus and hyacinths he is represented as a youth gentle and delicately formed you might say there is something poetic in his eyes his gentleness is seen in that he does not like a rude unmannered water-god pour forth a turbulent stream but stretching forth his hand over the earth he lets the gently springing water trickle through his fingers such water must awaken dreams of love but it is no dream o Crithes. thy silent love is not in vain soon will the waters rear themselves and enclose thee with a god in their green-purple vault how fair the maiden is how delicate her form ionian everywhere bashfulness adds a charm to her figure and its rose colour suffices for her cheeks the hair drawn behind the ear is adorned with a purple fillet she looks so full of sweetness and simplicity that even the tears increase her softness her throat is fairest without ornament if we look at the hand we find long and slender fingers white as the forearm which outshines the whiteness of your robe we can distinguish also the well-formed breast but what do the muses hear they are no strangers to the springs of milis for they accompanied the fleet of the athenian colonists hither under the form of bees leading their nimble dance upon this spot they seem to us friendly parsi who celebrated the coming birth of homer End of section thirty two